One of my favorite ways to invest is real estate, but not everyone wants to handle tenants and toilets. Enter Fundrise. They make it easy to invest in real estate with their flagship fund. Now, as always, you always have to carefully consider the investment objectives and risks of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. But right now, demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. And the Fundrise flagship fund plans on going on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes with just as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash PFP. As always, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash PFP. That's fundrise.com slash PFP. This is a paid advertisement. One of the most important financial decisions that you can make is buying life insurance especially if you have people who depend on your income. It could be a spouse, an aging parent, children, or even a business partner, which is why I recommend term life insurance from Policy Genius. It's cheap and easy to set up, and Policy Genius is where I went to to get my policy, and they made it so incredibly easy. I had a simple phone call, answered some questions, and I was completely set up. And with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million worth of coverage. And some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. On this episode of the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to talk about the 10 Commandments of Salary Negotiation. What's up, everybody? And today on the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to talk about the 10 commandments of salary negotiation. If you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram at MasterMoneyCO. That's MasterMoneyCO. And follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast to. And if you want to help out the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple podcast and if you want to check out video we have a youtube channel and you can check us out at master money on youtube as well we're putting out a bunch of great content two videos per week right now so that you guys get some new fresh content over on youtube as well now today we're going to be talking about the 10 commandments of salary negotiation and i think this is one of the most important skills that you can have in your wealth building journey because once you learn how to increase your income you can truly accelerate your path to wealth and i don't mean just by taking your wealth path step by step a little bit faster i mean you could take off in a rocket ship on your wealth journey because this is the biggest way to accelerate your path to wealth it is to increase your income it will supercharge the amount of money that you can earn. And once you start to build up this skill, it is truly the most valuable skill that you can master. Because this is a skill. Understand that going in. Negotiating your salary is a skill. It is something that needs to be worked on. It needs to be defined. It needs to be practiced. It's not something that you can just walk into someone's office and wing. 
you have to work on your negotiations. And the biggest thing you need is you need a strategy and you need a strategy that is bulletproof. Now, if you haven't heard our salary negotiation episodes, we have two of them back at episode eight and episode nine. We talk about the exact system on how to ask for a raise at your current job and how to negotiate your salary. And this system is extremely important. So if you haven't heard those episodes, I would definitely check those episodes out. And I also wrote a free ebook for you guys. So I'll link it up in the show notes as well. I know a lot of you guys were having issues downloading that ebook. It is all fixed now. So the link below will help you download that ebook so you can check out my exact system because it's very important to understand my system as we go through this episode. The way we structure asking for a raise at your job or negotiating your salary is very systematic and you have a plan in place and something that you can implement each and every day. So check out the ebook in the the show notes if you haven't read it yet. Now, why would you wanna do this? Why would you wanna actually negotiate your salary? Well, in the ebook, we talk about this because someone who negotiates their salary, in the ebook, we reference a study and that study shows that someone who can negotiate just an additional $5,000 a year and who starts at the same exact salary will make over a million dollars more in their career. Now, here's the thing about this. If you're an introvert and you're someone who doesn't like negotiating, you don't like internal conflict, you don't like the thought of having to go up to someone and go back and forth with banter to sell them on yourself, that gives you nightmares at night to even think about doing that. Well, just think about it this way. Is doing that worth a million dollars to you? Because it's definitely worth a million dollars to me. I'm someone who is naturally, believe it or not, an introvert. And for me, specifically, I had to learn how to specialize this skill when I was doing this. Because this skill is so valuable that it's truly life-changing. Because you can make over a million dollars more over the course of your career just by negotiating a little bit each and every single year. That is why this skill is so valuable. And here's the thing to understand up front. Every single company out there is negotiating with you. Every single company, it's whether you know it or not, they are playing a game. And if you're not prepared, you're going to lose that game. And right now, if you don't know that they're playing a game, then you're probably losing the game. Listen, I started my career making $30,000 a year. And when they offered me the offer, I just took the offer. I was happy to even just make money out of college. I was a clueless college graduate. They won the game that day, but I would never take that offer again because now I know better. And as time went on, I realized how the game was played. I realized how it was played, and I implemented the system that I talk about here. And my wife has used this system. And as time went on, I realized how the game was played. And I implemented the system that we talk about in the ebook. And my wife uses the system as well. And it has tremendously increased our income over time. So let me tell you guys, learning how to negotiate your salary is going to change your life. And if you can understand this skill, You are learning a multi-million dollar skill, especially if you get really good at it. Let's say you hit up to executive level jobs. That's a multi-million dollar differential just by learning the skill of negotiation. So if you're about that big bankroll life, let's get into it. So the first thing to understand is that negotiation starts way earlier than you think. See, Every recruiter out there, every person who's interviewing you, whether in the HR department or they're a recruiter, is going to ask you about your salary expectations when they first start interviewing you. Now, do not, and I repeat, do not give them a number because what you want to do is keep as much information as possible to yourself about what you expect with your salary 
and let them do all the talk when it comes to financial discussions. Your job up front is to sell them you and why you're going to deserve down the line the amount of money that you want. So what you do instead is when they ask about your salary expectations, you ask for a range as to what they budgeted for this role. And you can even say it this way. Can you tell me the salary range for this level? I'm happy to let you know if it's within my range and we can discuss specific numbers later when I've met the team. See, you can say it this way and that deflects the question back onto them so that they have to give you information. See, what you're going to do is you're going to use this information to win. You're going to use this information to get what you want because in a negotiation, information is king. Whoever has the most information about what truly matters in that negotiation is going to win. And the keys are understanding what truly matters in a negotiation. You know what doesn't matter in a negotiation? Talking about the tiddly little things that aren't the big picture, which you're there to have a balanced work life and you're there to make money. That's what you're at work to do. You're there for a balanced work life, career advancement, to make money. It doesn't matter what it is, but focus on the things that truly matter. And specifically, if you're going to be going to work every day, why not make more for doing it? Number two, never tell them what you currently make. So along with expectations, they may ask you what you currently make. This is information, again, that you do not want to give them. In some states, you're not even allowed to ask this question. But do not give them this information because this information does not help you at all if you give this away to the recruiter or the HR department or or your boss or whoever is interviewing you. If they ask you this question, just reply with another question. See a trend here? If you're asked a question that you don't want to answer, reply with another question so that you can collect information. So you just ask them, well, what does this role offer? This puts you in the driver's seat and gives you the extremely valuable information of what they're willing to pay. Because understanding that early on, understanding that as early as possible is going to help you in your negotiation. Because if it's a low number, there's a lot of things that you can do to sell yourself to make that number come up. Number three, mine for Intel during interviews. Now it's time to get out the old pickaxe and hard hat because we're going mining, folks. So when you go into an interview, you gotta be ready not just to answer questions, but to ask questions of your own. Now, this is why it's so important to have questions prepared before an interview. Everybody knows that at the end of an interview, you need to be asking questions, but don't just ask generic questions. You're actually trying to collect information. So you need to ask questions that will get you the answers so that you can utilize that information to win this negotiation. So here's a few examples of questions that you can ask. Number one, what's the biggest priority for the team right now? What this helps you understand is what the team truly needs and how you can sell your skills to fulfill what that team needs. Number two, why is the role open? Why did the last person who's in that role fail? Why are they not still in that role? Did they get promoted? Well, that's a good sign because that means there's a promotional track within that role. Or did they leave the company because they didn't like that role or the work-life balance wasn't good or the pay wasn't enough? All of these are going to help you understand what you need to tell them. Number three, what's the biggest challenge for someone stepping into this role? Understanding the challenges is going to actually give you as much information as you need to understand what are some of the downsides of this role and what are the challenges that you can overcome to make this easier for the person above you? How can you make this job easier for your boss so that you can go get promoted? Because as we've talked about in the episode where we talk about how to ask your boss for a raise, you need to put together skills that actually makes them say, there's nothing else I can do but give this person a raise. And then the fourth one, this is a huge one. 
How does the organization structure on the team work? Because you need to understand, is there roles where I can get promoted here? If you're in a dead-end spot and you're in a role where there's no promotions available, then there's no reason to be in that job because you're in that job to increase your income over time and get promoted over time to advance your career. Especially if you want to pursue something like FIRE or financial independence, then advancing your career is how so many people get to FIRE way sooner. Why? Because as your income increases, then you could take that money, invest the excess cash so that you can retire even faster. You're spending the time at work anyways. Why not get to your goals faster? Number three, don't give in to the pressure. So once you've been offered a role, a recruiter's job actually flips from evaluating you to closing on you. Now they become the closer. So what you want to do is be ready for that because you're going to see the demeanor change. You're going to see the negotiations change. Everything is going to be different because at the beginning, they're collecting information from you and now they're going to be providing you with more information. This is when you can mine for a ton of intel. And see, most experienced recruiters are going to ask you again and again to put up your number for your salary. And clever people may even say they're going to go up to bat for you. All this means is they're going to take that information and try to get close to it, but it might it's most likely going to be under. So here's how to combat that. Here's the biggest way to combat this issue. And we talk about this in the ebook as well. And this is not when you do it yet because you're not giving into the pressure. But what you're going to do later on is you're going to give your highest number as the lowest number on the spectrum. So if you want $80,000 a year, you're going to say, I would love to have $90,000. So maybe you say, I want ninety dollars to $110,000 a year. The reason why you're doing this is because inside of your range, if they even hit the lowest number on your range, you're getting more than what you actually want. This is an extreme hack that you can utilize, but you have to know when to give out this information. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. And if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. And they have a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash personal finance. Just go to Indeed.com slash personal finance right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash personal finance. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now is a great time of year to get your finances in order. And no matter what your financial goals are this year, when you use Chime's online checking account, you can cross all those financial to-dos off your list. Chime's online checking account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-fee overdraft up to $200. Plus, get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go 24-7. And you get access to over 60,000 ATMs. So start building your credit and open a Chime checking account with at least $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com PFP. That's Chime.com PFP. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank, N.A., or Stride Bank, N.A., members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply.
The key to winning in any business is making sure you have the right business partner. An example is Procter & Gamble or Ben & Jerry. But what about the perfect partners when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million dollars stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. And most people know one of your biggest struggles when it comes to starting an online business is finding new customers and Shopify can help you do that. And what I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PFP, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash PFP now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash PFP. Have you been using Mint for your finances? Well, there's been some mixed reviews, and Mint is winding down, transitioning users to Credit Karma, which frankly isn't as comprehensive. But don't worry, because I've found a fantastic alternative that I've been loving called Monarch Money. And Monarch is a top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. And you can create custom budgets, you can track your progress towards financial goals, and my favorite part, you can collaborate with your partner. And now, listeners for this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to Monarch money.com slash pfp and after trying out monarch for myself i understand why it's a top rated personal finance app and right now listeners to this show will get that extended 30 day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pfp that's m-o-n-a-r-c-h-m-o-n-e-y.com slash pfp for your extended 30 day free trial go to monarchmoney.com slash pfp number four this is a big one too, because if you're at massive companies, your recruiter may have no say at all. You may be negotiating with the wrong person because a lot of times at these massive companies, and I'm talking companies with more than 5,000 people, maybe you're negotiating at Google or Amazon or all these huge companies. Well, at those levels, at those massive companies, their compensation rates are heavily formulaic. Usually they have a separate team and it's usually called like a compensation committee or something like that who actually sets all the salaries and they take into account a number of things, including your background, your interview performance, and everything else like your current level that you're currently at. And what they do is they give recruiters a number to go with. And usually when you're talking to these compensation committees, they give a number to a recruiter and every time you want to negotiate, the recruiter has to go back to that compensation committee for reevaluation every single time. So what do clever recruiters do? They set you up with a number up front to save themselves a bunch of legwork. Unfortunately for you, if you're in this situation, it may hurt your chances of getting more on your offer later because it's a bro- it. It deprives you of valuable data, the valuable data we've been talking about. You can't mine for as much data if the system is formulaic. So a couple things to think about. If you get caught in this loop where you're going back to the compensation committee and back and forth and back and forth, most companies will consider new information like another offer to reopen negotiation. So if you're stuck with this back and forth and you're truly not getting anywhere, then look to see, do you have other offers from other interviews? Utilize those as a negotiation tactic, and this is why you want to keep those under the vest until you actually have to use them. So you hold information for as long as possible until you have to use it. Because remember, any information that's not selling yourself is just information that they're going to use against you instead of you being able to utilize it for your benefit. And don't forget one last thing is that you can actually use an offer at your current company as well. That's fair game. So think through 
Have you gotten offers from different companies or is the company that you're at actually compensating you and giving you offers to stay at a higher level? Number five, you have to learn how to read between the lines when it comes to salary negotiation. So your initial offer that you get from a company speaks volumes as to what you're getting yourself into. And if you know how to interpret the data of what they're stating, then you have a huge competitive advantage. So let's say you're applying for a higher level role at a big company. And let's talk through this for a second. Let's talk about if the offer comes in low, if the offer comes in at the middle of the road, and if the offer comes in at high. If the offer comes in at low, the people interviewing you may feel like that you have a lot of room for growth. And so if this happens, if your offer comes in low, dig deeper and find out why the offer is so low. This way, if you can get that information, you can fix any misconceptions before you even start negotiating. Because an offer comes in, you haven't started negotiating yet, just mine for some more data. Ask, why is the offer coming in low? Maybe ask for feedbacks from these folks, and they can tell you a bunch of things. Because trying to tell them that you're the greatest project manager of all time is just not going to cut it. That's not going to work out for you. So understanding why this offer is coming in low and then going back to them and providing them with new information that you can use to see if they'll bring that offer up. The second one is if the offer comes in in the middle of the road, this is the most common offer out there. But over 80% of people get offers in the middle of the road. Now, typically what this means is if you're just getting a standard middle of the road offer, you don't have someone who's interviewing you that's going up to bat for you. You don't have somebody who truly loves you. You didn't truly sell the team that's interviewing you. So it's tough to win a negotiation if you don't have someone up to bat for you. So if at all possible, see if you can meet with people from the team or some of the interviewers and see if you can try to sell them more on your skills. If you can't do that, I understand it. Sometimes it's tough to go back into another interview when they've already sent you an offer. But if you can do it, this is the way to try to get someone to go up to bat for you. Because if you don't have someone batting for you, you can't get those high-end offers if someone doesn't truly love you. Now, if the offer comes in at the top of your range, if it comes in high, then think through this for a little bit. This is how you read between the lines. There may have been discussions about putting you at a higher level. And if those discussions have been in place to put you at a higher level, then maybe you can actually go up and get even more money. You could push for an even higher offer. But you got to be able to feel this out by asking the right questions. So think through some of the questions that you would ask if an offer comes in at the top of your range so you can feel it out to push for an even higher offer. Because what if you can get an offer way above your and beyond your expectations? A lot of people can do this if you're really good at negotiating. Number seven, your job when you're in these interviews and when you're negotiating your salary is to win minds, but you also got to win people's hearts. Now, this is something that I found along the way. There are a lot of people in the corporate world and in the blue collar world. It doesn't matter what world you work in. There is a lot of people in those worlds who just rub people the wrong way all the time. And they're hard nosed and they try to negotiate all the time the hard way. But your job is actually to win conversationally, but also psychologically. And I know that kind of sounds crazy, but you're trying to win people over. Everything in life comes down to sales and you're trying to sell yourself. So the best way to sell people is to also pull some of their heartstrings a little. So there's things that you can discuss in interviews, like questions on how you can create a meaningful impact with this team. How can you improve this team, bring the team up morale or whatever it is so that you can increase the bottom line overall and truly help this company make more profit. And you can even come up with different ideas that you, you can suggest based on some of your interviews thus far. And there's bonus points because if you discuss obstacles to you taking on the role, that's going to help them give you more information that you can utilize in this negotiation. 
Number eight, do your research. So here's a big thing. In this country, there's a lot of people who are underpaid who deserve to make more money. And if that's you, I'm talking to you here because a huge reason for that is that people don't fully evaluate their offer before they start negotiating. Let's change that. My goal is to change that, help you educate yourself enough so that you understand how much you truly should be making. And if you're not making that much, utilize this system so that you can increase your income and build generational wealth for you and your family. That's the goal. Learning how to increase your income, not saving money on lattes every single day. What is that going to get you? You could save $1,000 a year by not going to Starbucks, or you can make tens of thousands of dollars a year by negotiating your salary. Which option do you want to choose here? So here's questions that you can ask. Is the offer competitive that I just got? So you can browse a bunch of sites. You can look at Glassdoor, but Glassdoor is now getting oversaturated. So there's other sites like candor.co, which is a really cool site, and I'll link it up in the show notes as well. Well, how does this offer work? Are you getting company stock in addition? Are you, and if you are getting company stock, make sure you understand how that process works as well. Then think through the other options. Does this all add up? Consider your taxes or bonuses. If your offer comes in high and you could be $5,000 less, but pay significantly less taxes, then you need to consider that option as well and discuss this with your employer. They're going to understand if your tax benefits are drastically different just by a small amount differential in your salary. And if you have gold compensation or compensation based on hitting goals, are the goals realistic? Because a lot of people have bonus-based compensation or merit-based compensation. And if that's the case, make sure what they're asking you to do is realistic and that you can actually hit those goals. Doing your research is so incredibly important. So make sure you're doing this so you're not underpaid. Number nine, you have to compare offers. Now think through this for a second because When you start getting offers, let's say you went through multiple interviews with multiple companies. Not all these offers are made equal. And usually, offers are intentionally confusing via companies. So it seems obvious that you should look at the compensation, but there's a number of other things that you need to look at as well. I know a guy who is a very high-level person at a company we all know, and he got to that level because he would actually take demotions if different roles had a better trajectory to get promoted later on. Now, that's a very hard thing to do is to take a demotion because you know you have a better track to get higher up later on in the future. But this is what he did because he saw how to navigate the road. So look at which companies have a better trajectory. Can I get promoted more in one role than the other? How do promotions work? How does someone get promoted? Do a lot of promotions come externally or do a lot of promotions come internally? Because you want those promotions to be coming internally. Here's a big one. Look at through the interviews. Is your manager influential enough to pull for you when it's time to get a promotion. This is a major factor because if they don't have enough pull, it's going to be much harder to get a promotion later on down the line. So you can look at different companies, see if they're actually compensating enough, compare those offers so that you know, are you on track to make more money going down the line? Because getting paid more up front doesn't always mean you'll make the most overall. You have to understand this. And this is how you plan accordingly is thinking through this. Number 10, Time to make the ask. Now it's time to get the information. Now it's time to make that money. This is where the money is earned, is making the ask. So it can be awkward to ask for more money. I understand that. Especially if you don't like negotiating, it's an awkward thing to do at first. But trust me, everyone expects you to negotiate your salary. And on top of that, it doesn't help that a lot of advice out there is conflicting. So here's how you ask. The low number in the range needs to be your highest number. 
Do whatever it takes to remember this. Write it down, circle it, highlight it. But the low number and the range needs to be your highest number. So if you want to make $70,000 per year, you would say, based on what the market is and what I've seen at companies your size, I would expect to be in the seventy dollars to $80,000 range. What this does, it gives your potential employer room to negotiate above your highest number. And if you really want to go for it, make the number even higher than your highest number. Because I've seen people ask for more than their highest number and they actually get it. And this is the cool thing about this strategy is making the low number your highest number because you're going to get more money that way. I can tell you that right now. Now, don't make it something crazy where you want to make half a million dollars and the role only offers $50,000 a year. But what you're doing is you're making it the highest number that you're willing to accept within that Role And utilizing this strategy allows you for breathing room. It allows you for negotiation room so that you can get to the point exactly where you want to be and you're happy with your compensation in the long run. Listen, I hope these 10 tips are going to help you guys negotiate your salary. Definitely make sure that you're checking out that ebook so you can see the exact system that we take. And there's step by step in that ebook on exactly how to do this and how to negotiate your salary. And if you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram at mastermoneyco and follow us on Spotify or Apple podcast, whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast to. And if you want to help out the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and check out the YouTube channel as well. And if there's videos out there of YouTube videos that you want me to do, leave them in the comments on a YouTube video. And I'll make sure to go look through those and we'll go knock out some of those videos for you guys so that I'm giving you guys the content that you actually want. Listen, I appreciate each and every one of you guys. I can't thank you guys enough for listening to this podcast, sharing it with your friends and family, and helping this podcast grow. I could not do this without you guys, and I truly appreciate it. You're helping each and every person out there start to truly build wealth, because that's what we believe here. Every person in this world can build generational wealth for them and their family, and they can do it with small amounts of money and grow their income over time, like we talked about today, so that they can have generational wealth for their family. And each and every person listening to this podcast, my goal is to make all of you millionaires. Every single one of you, by using small amounts of money, investing it over time, and making sure that you're disciplined, you can do this. You can build generational wealth. And that's what we're here to teach. So thank you guys again so much for listening to this episode. And we'll see you on the next episode.
everyone's heard the saying, you have to spend money to make money. But everything in life, from travel to starting a business, is expensive. Which is why I want to tell you about a new podcast I love that will teach you all the tactics, tricks, and tips you need to upgrade your life, money, and even travel, all while spending less and saving more. It's called All the Hacks, and it's a top-ranked show hosted by my good friend Chris Hutchins, a financial optimizer, an entrepreneur who's racked up millions of points, and he sold two companies. And if you want to rethink the way you're spending money, you have to check out the episode 91 with Bill Perkins and why you should be optimizing for net fulfillment and not net worth and striving to die with zero. All the Hacks has something for everyone, and I'm sure you'll find a new tactic that you can apply to your own life, whether it's a money hack that increases your net worth or a routine change that boosts your productivity. So check out All the Hacks. That's All the Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your wallet will thank you later.